to something that was probably not as biblical as it should be. And so I wanted to re-ask some of these questions. What is the church? And then we've been asking why questions about the church. Why do we do the things that we do? Uh, Why do we think the church matters and and is vital for the spiritual health of each believer? And so that's where we've been. So that's called ecclesiology, the study of the church. We've been using this definition for what a church is. A local church is a body of people that are marked out by the fruit of God's spirit as holy and loving. So in other words, we're a group of people called to be God's hands and feet as we grow together in uh, our love and affection for Jesus and then show that love and affection to the broader community around us. And so then we started to ask, how do we do that? Why, or, or rather, why do we do the things that we do to accomplish that purpose? So we looked at the importance of meeting together. Why are we called to be together? And again, I'm not going to hash out these. You can go back online to our website uh, and, and listen to these if you would like to. Uh, but suffice it to say is we, we always go to Scripture and we try to define everything based on what Scripture says. And we're convinced that it's essential that believers gather together to worship the Lord and to serve together. That next question was then, why serve? Uh, in, in Matthew 20, 28, we see that principle. It says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, while me and you were not called to go to the cross, Jesus alone was called to do that. He was calling his disciples to serve, to imitate the way that he served. And so we looked at, uh, rather than viewing church as a consumer thing, walking in and going, what exists for me here? Rather to look at it and go, how am I called to serve the local church where I live? So we answered that question. Then we asked the question, why should we go? So in Matthew 28, we're called to go into the world and make disciples. So why are we supposed to go? Predominantly, the answer is this, because that's how God has uh, designed for people to hear about Jesus, is through the lives of believers. And so we are called to go and to share that message. We're called to disciple others. And then also in that Great Commission, to baptize. And so last week, we looked at why do we baptize people and why do we take communion or the Lord's Supper uh, in a regular, ongoing way. And so we simply looked at this is the idea of uniting us not together just with Christ, but also with each other. Is we baptize one, when you get baptized, you're baptized into Christ, but also into the local body. When you take communion, you come together and we eat and drink the Lord's Supper, not only to unite with him, though that's the central part of it, but also that we unite together one another. And so this is just a quick reminder. We're going to have a baptism service on August 21st, so you can mark that down on your calendar. We would love, if you have not been baptized, uh, we would love to do that with you and to celebrate that. If you'd like to go online and listen uh, to that, because the simple reality is this. We are not asked to be baptized, we're commanded to be baptized. And so if you'd like to learn more about that, please look back on last week. Uh, Those two ordinances that we do in an ongoing way are all about unity, which brings us very nicely into this morning's question of why membership? Why do we do church membership? Now let me clarify here, not all churches do church membership. Some don't. And so first I want to... Go to Scripture, to this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 predominantly, but a few others, and and clarify why I think membership is a biblical concept and something that we should be doing, and then defend why uh, membership matters within a church. So, the question always gets asked uh, this way, is I don't see membership anywhere in the Bible. 
Well, that's kind of like saying you don't see the word discipleship in the Bible. Depending on what translation you use, approximately 269 times you'll see the word disciple. You'll never once see the word discipleship in most English translations. And so it's not a big leap to figure out if we're called to be disciples and to make disciples that we're supposed to be a church that's about discipleship. And so in the same way, I'm going to take you through a text here in 1 Corinthians that shows that while the word membership isn't necessarily in the Bible, the concept is all through there and is very, very important and vital. But I also want to mention this. Uh, There's a great resource for you. Uh, It's part of the Nine Marks, which we've talked about already, but it's a book by Jonathan Lehman. It's called Church Membership. And in it is just a, it's a compelling read. I went back and read parts of it again uh, in preparation for this morning. And it was, it was basically like you could just come up with a book and you could just read start to end. I mean, you'd all leave because that's way too long. But you would, I'm sure, at, uh, benefit from reading that book together um, with your spouse, with your family, and just seeing how we are called to be in membership with one another. So I'm going to quote a few things from his book. So if you hear me give a quote and I don't say who it is from, it's, uh, it's from Jonathan Lehman. So the goal of church membership, according to baptism, according to communion, part of these vital ongoing principles that we do as the church is to unite ourselves together. We in this church use what we call a membership covenant to do that in a very intentional way. So what is a covenant? Well, a covenant is simply a promise. It's not just a promise that one makes to another, but also that the church as a body makes back to the individual. And so it's a big, long uh, document, I guess we could call it, and, and I don't want to read the whole thing just for the sake of time this morning, but in this covenant, we do things like this. We promise to maintain biblical principles in our lives. We promise to invite uh, the other members of the church into accountability with us to help us and encourage us and when necessary to discipline us when we're not living in submission to Jesus and his word. Again, it's far more detailed than that, but that's the overall view of it. It's the public declaration of joining and committing to serve Jesus within that family and being accountable to one another. So I think we can probably agree that logically that makes sense. Uh, But the question that we want to ask this morning is, is that a biblical concept or is that just our own wisdom talking? Now, I don't want to eliminate our own wisdom here. This is important. Uh, Often in Scripture, we are told very direct things, and sometimes we are called to gather together and to pray and to discern God's will that's not so clear. And so don't just think that it's man's idea, it's immediately bad. If it's man's idea, but it's based on a principles what we find in scripture, then it's good. And so we don't want to throw that away, but we do want to make sure that anything that scripture talks about with direction is something that we follow. We we talk about this all the time in Banff Park Church. We want to submit ourselves under the word of God and the authority of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to do, uh, and that's what we think membership does. So, Uh, 269 times, like I said, the word disciple is found. If you look at member, it's a little bit different just because there's a a lot of different translations translate these words differently. So I'm going to read from the ESV uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 here. I'm going to emphasize certain words as we go through this, but I hope you'll see the point. So starting in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12, we read this. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 
The body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So as you can kind of see here, it's, it's, it's pretty clear, is we're members of one thing together. So in other words, we're united together in purpose and in mission, but we accomplish that in slightly different ways. Now, remember, we looked at this text previously, and it's predominantly talking about spiritual gifts within the local church and how we are to serve and love one another and care for one another. And so in the same concept is how, if we aren't united to each other and accountable to each other, do we have a sense of belonging to that body? If, if we just go from one church to another church or, or just listening online to various sermons from you know, various pastors all over the place, are we making a connection and doing what we're called to do here? I don't, I don't think we are then. And that's not to say you shouldn't you know, go home and listen to podcasts and sermons from other preachers. You should. That's wonderful. It's a great opportunity for you to grow in your knowledge of Christ and, and hopefully the knowledge of your own local church as well. And In fact, Matt Chandler, one of my favorite preachers, uh, if you go on YouTube and you watch any of his sermons, there's always this little beginning clip that says something along the lines of this. He says, we hope that this resource encourages you in your faith but it is not meant to replace the local body that you are meant to be connected to. And it's, that's our goal as well. And so if you're watching online or, or, or later in the week and you're using this uh, because somebody passed it on to you, that's great, but it's not meant to replace the local body that you should be in submission to. It, it's very clear here, it, especially in verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? He's very clearly trying to say your Christian faith is more than just you. It's you and everyone else working together for the same purpose. Now, we live in a very Lone Ranger kind of world. We like to do things on our own and accomplish things on our own so that we can take the credit all on our own, probably. I don't know if that's necessarily always true. But we just live in this where we, just, we, we don't even want to ask for help when we need help, as if no one else in the world has needed help. Simple reality is we all need help regularly. We all need parts of the body to function. And, and so this analogy that Paul's giving us is just, it's so clear for us that there should never be this question where we go, I think I can do this on my own. Rather, it would be, Lord, I desperately need others in my life to help, to nurture me, to help me grow, that I can serve, that can, we can serve together. I think the problem with the concept of membership. There's a couple things. One of them is that in our efforts, um, it's predominantly kind of 70s, 80s, 90s, there was an evangelism movement that went out and, and it was good, it had good intent, but uh, in Lehman's book, he says this is how he came to Christ, but this is the expression that he was told often. I'm not asking you to join a church, but to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And he argues very aggressively in that book that all that statement does is it pits the church against Jesus. And they're actually two sides of the same coin. And so how we talk about uniting together in membership 
is very important. I, I think the other problem is because when we hear the word membership, we think of something more like Costco. Right? We get a deal on bulk things or something, or it's like I get extra privileges or rights, or I can actually walk into that store if I have a membership. And so we get that skewed. But just because culture has taken that word and determined how it's going to be defined doesn't mean that we shouldn't unite ourselves together. We don't just go, I don't like that word or, or how cultures use it, so let's just ignore the concept. No, we want to go to Scripture and we want to see this. Later in, in verses 25 and 26, Paul says this, the reason for this, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, then all rejoice together. It's so important that we think that there's no, this is the point, that there's no division within the body. If there's division within the, or, or if there's the possibility of division within the body, what does that assume? That there are many people part of that body. It, okay, maybe sometimes only two, right? Division can happen very easily when we elevate things that shouldn't be as high priority, or, or, and that's a different conversation for another time. But all of the New Testament letters written to churches all are pleading with those local bodies almost always around doctrine to get a correct understanding of what God's Word really teaches, but then to unite together in purpose and mission. It'd be so easy for the biblical authors to be like, you know what, your church is a mess. Just go join other churches. Or, or just, you know, just maybe just stay at home and worship at home and, and just love Jesus, but don't worry about everybody else. I think Paul probably wanted to say that several times. Sometimes he has to be very harsh and direct with people in, their, in correcting their ideas because he's saying, you're missing the point. Please unite together. Don't let your, your race, uh, Jew, Gentile, that was a big thing, but just think about in our world how many different things divide us. Don't let any of those things divide you. We need each other. And in fact, I think international travel, so for those of you who are from another part of the world that have come to visit Banff, uh, you're proving this great to us, is that international travel is an awesome way for our eyes to be opened a little bit to different ways of doing things, to different, um, different cultures and different understandings and, and seeing that people worship differently. As Lee said, not a lot of people clap here. You're allowed to. That's okay. Especially if, you know, you're from another part where you clap lots. Last, uh, last Sunday, I helped the Filipino church for the first uh, service that they had here together, just setting up sound and doing things. I promise you, uh, Linda and Doug were both here. It's a lot louder than what we do. Like, a lot louder. So if you think we're loud, just come tonight and enjoy them. It's, it's so much fun. But there's just different ways of doing things. And the more we surround ourselves with people that do those things differently, the more broad our understanding becomes and the more beauty that we'll see. God has created us uniquely, not just giftings that we've talked about in, in chapter 12 here, but also in the way that we look and the personalities that we have and the cultures that we are. And all of those come together are meant to declare to a divided world that we unite together in Christ. And how can we do that without membership? I think there are some arguments in, in, as to how they can do that, and, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes here. But back to this idea of, of kind of like the Costco idea. Lehman writes it this way. He says, clubs begin with a point of common interest. Uh, services, sorry, service providers begin with a common need or a desire. But churches have all this too, but we have something more. A king who requires the obedience of his people. 
the church begins with this fact. Jesus is Savior and Lord. He died on the cross for the sins of everyone who would believe and follow him. This means the Bible doesn't talk about church membership maybe quite as you would want it to. It instead talks about how God's people gather together under his supreme rule. The Bible's interested in the citizens of a kingdom, not club members. The Bible talks about church unity with a number of metaphors like family and the vine. And so when you open your Bible, stop looking for signs of a club with its voluntary members. Look instead for a Lord and his bound together people. That's a serious quote. Jesus is Lord, and he requires obedience of us. And I know that sounds like rules and regulations, but that's not the point. The point is when we, sub- when we realize that I need Jesus in my life, that we voluntarily submit to going, I will follow you with everything that I have because you alone are worthy. But not isolated, not just me and Jesus, but us and Jesus. And you may think differently than I do on certain things. And rather than just argue and fight or, or not even talk to each other because we're just not going to have that conversation, we're called to bind ourselves together as family. Let me just ask it real quickly. How many of you have no internal family conflicts? Family is messy. Always. It's just the reality of it. And we see that in the New Testament. The church is messy often. But are we willing to say, I'm going to unite myself under the lordship of Christ? And that this is not some kind of voluntary, I guess I'll meet with people when it's convenient for me or or when I just want to hear that specific topic. No, we're called to unite together under the lordship of Christ. And, And just the fact that it's unite together shows us this implication. So he says, the examples, brothers and sisters are found often in scripture, not biologically, but united together. The branches of a vine connected together. Paul argues in Romans all about this grafting in of non-Jewish branches trying to show that it was from the beginning that God's plan was that all would come to be in this family. So think of it this way. You, you, you have your immediate family, but perhaps you have kind of like an unofficial adopted family as well. Someone that you consider like a second mom or dad people that you grew up with that, that you love deeply and that are kind of like your brother or your sister that you're not actually related to. We have a Uncle Marv and Auntie Dallas in our family that there's no relation to, and I think that confused Manga for a little while. But there's just people that we gather together with that we become united in purpose together. And the reason for that should be Jesus Christ. And that's what's beautiful about the church. That's what's beautiful about the church in Banff is people come on holidays from all kinds of parts of the world and they walk in here and they know we're going to talk about Jesus and we're going to talk about Scripture. We're going to unite together. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. Because that's where we have put our submission under the Lordship of Christ. Also, there's a text in Hebrews 13. You don't have to flip there. We'll have it on the screen here. But it says this. This is uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Now, there's two things there to notice. Is One, there's a command uh, to the church, and then there's a command to the leaders as well. And what's the implication? That they know that they belong together. How do you submit to, some, or to, to your leaders if you go, I don't have any leaders to submit to? I can just stay at home. I can just watch here. I can just... 
do church whenever it's convenient for me? How do we submit to that? And then also to the leaders, how are they supposed to give an account? I want to read from 1 Peter as well. Peter writes this, and we looked at this a few months back, but he says this, starting in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you see the unity in that? We need humility because we might disagree, might think that I'm right, that, that you're wrong. But we see that there's this clear command that, that somehow the leaders know who they're to give an account to and who they're to shepherd. And, and he says how to shepherd it well. And here's why I think we don't like membership in our culture. is We don't like to subject ourselves under someone else, especially when they're wrong. Now, let me be clear here. I'm not saying that if you're part of a church, if you're visiting this morning and you're part of a church and they preach just heresy, they preach that Jesus isn't the only way to salvation, then you, you need to leave and go somewhere where the truth is preached. But when it comes to matters of, we have some slightly different ideas about this little doctrine or that one, uh, things that aren't essential for salvation, we're called to submit to one another. We're called to submit to the leadership. That doesn't mean that you can't question the leadership. That means that you are willingly subjecting yourselves under them to saying, I will follow that leadership. And now we as our, our elders and our general board here, we've had people that have said, hey, what about this? Or there's this going on. We'd like to have this conversation. We would love to invite you into those conversations. We want to hear from you. We want to know, do you think we've overstepped in, in, in somewhere, in some specific issue? And then if we have, we want to repent because we want to do what Peter has said here. And I think this is another reason people don't want to submit to uh, the idea of membership is because often in our culture it's been portrayed very poorly. Often leaders have lorded their position over people and been domineering against them, which Peter says to not do here. But just because someone has been a bad leader doesn't mean the concept of leadership in Scripture is not valid anymore. It means that if if we've been a bad leader, whether that's in a church setting, whether that's in your family setting, whatever it might be, is if we haven't done what God has called us to do, then we are called to repent of that. And in humility, go before our family and apologize. And show them that what we did or what we said was wrong. That takes humility. That's his point here. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Again, the amount of one another's that exist, especially in the New Testament, is overwhelming. We're together. We worship together. We serve together. These are just essential points. And so while you might be like, ah, there's no real ex explanation of membership, whenever you see the church growing, and if you look at Acts as the example, is there were numbers given. This amount of people came into the church. We read uh, there is some kind of way that Luke oversees in the book of Acts how people are united together. And then further to that in 1 Corinthians 5 and Matthew 18, both Paul and Jesus talk about when church discipline is necessary. So to do church discipline means what? We have to be united together. And I think, again, this is an example where church discipline has been done wrong and condescendingly and, and harshly 
so many times that we go, I, want none, I don't want any part of that. If being a member means I'm going to be disciplined by my leaders, I don't want any part of that. And again, if you have been disciplined in an, an unbiblical way, excuse me, then I'm sorry. Those leaders, those churches, we need to repent of those things and we need to do it correctly. But just as it said in Hebrews, I know that I'm to give an account when I go before Jesus about the people that I was to shepherd. How, do I, how am I supposed to do that if I don't know who I'm supposed to shepherd? I know this, when I, on Thursday, when I go for our ministerial conversations, I know that I'm not in charge of those that go to Pastor Kevin's church. I know that Kevin will give an account for those. I know that Pastor Seth's church, that I'm not in charge of that. And I don't mean in charge of like being this, this CEO type thing. I mean, I'm not going to be held accountable for their spiritual growth, but I am going to be held accountable for those who consider Banff Park Church their home, regardless of whether you agree or disagree with membership. But as we read through Scripture, as we see the uniting one another, as we see how this growth happens, as we see need for discipline and correction, now again, discipline should always be restorative. Right? So in our membership agreement, we're committing to living a life that honors Christ. And if I, don't, if I live a life that dishonors Christ, I'm inviting others in to say, Greg, you can't live that way. You've said you want to follow Jesus. The goal is not, you're out of here, we don't like you. The goal is submission to Christ again. The goal is that we would repent and that we would come face to face with the Savior who died on the cross for us and that we would go, I desperately need you, help me to be humble. How can we be people of humility if we aren't united together? Lehman writes this again. The local church is one of Jesus' agents, and he gave it an authority that you and I as individual Christians do not have. This has radical implications for what the local church is and what it means to be a church member. So, specifically in 1 Corinthians 5 and Matthew 18, again, in that, those passages on discipline, is the point there is that the church has been given a role that's that only works when we're united together and doing it corporately. That I don't have authority over each individual person. I don't get to walk up to each individual person and tell them what to do, but the church as a whole, we have united together to do that. And so if you've signed a membership covenant, you're joined into that saying, I want to encourage and I want to serve and I want to discipline when necessary so that we would grow towards Christ-likeness. Lee said it very simply, is growth is messy, isn't it? It's hard. And it requires correction. We don't like that. But Scripture exists that we might know who God is and how we can serve Him. And so we as a church are called to do this together, one for another. Michael Horton is a professor of systematic theology at Western Seminary. He said this. I thought this was really good. Christ rules us in order to save us and saves us in order to rule us. Unlike the rulers of this current age, Jesus doesn't ask us to shed our blood for his empire. He instead gave his own life for his realm. Then when he was raised in glory as the beginning of the new creation, and now as he gathers his co-heirs into his kingdom who belong to each other, because together they belong with him. The visible church is where you will find Christ's kingdom on earth, and to, gis and to disregard the kingdom is to disregard its king. 
that's another hard one. If we're saying, I don't need to unite together with others, we're disregarding what the king has called us to do. I want to be very blunt here. I don't actually want to be very blunt here. I think the scripture wants us to be blunt. If we're unwilling to be bound together to God's people through membership because we don't think we should have to submit to each other, then we don't understand what following Jesus looks like. Even Christ himself submitted to the will of the Father, and then he showed us and modeled us how we submit to one another. Michael Horton finishes the quote that I just read by saying this, being the church doesn't translate to joining a church, but how can you be something that you aren't connected to? If you're committed to it, then why would you argue about not joining it? Titus 3 and 1 John talk about those who belong to the church. How can you belong to something if you're not a part of it? Why don't we read one last quote? This is from John Piper. Again, a little bit of a longer one, but I think it's really, really important. He says this, The local church is a visible expression of the universal church. The body of Christ universally is expressed in the bodies of Christ locally. So to belong to the body of Christ in the New Testament means to belong to a body of Christ. And he says this, Let me say this again because this is very threatening for many Lone Ranger Christians. To belong to the body of Christ in the New Testament means to belong to the body. Lone Ranger Christians are a contradiction to the body. Are you accountable to, sorry, are you an accountable member of a local church? And by that, he doesn't mean a list only. He goes on to explain this. Are you committed to discipline and to being disciplined? Have you publicly declared your willingness to be shepherded and to be led by a particular group of pastors and elders? Do you see yourself and your gifts as grafted into the body in an organic way so that when one hurts, they all hurt? Do you show your firm attachment to Christ's body that you are attached to Christ? Church membership, he says, is a blood-bought gift of God's grace. Now, I realize that many of you are visitors or here for only a short season of time. And so don't hear me trying to say we're trying to just get as many members as we can so our list can grow. If you've been on part of the church board, you actually know that that's actually quite difficult and causes more difficulty when people aren't here. There's all kinds of reasons logically why we could say, let's just get rid of membership. It makes life easier. You're right, it does make life easier, but it doesn't make it more godly. It doesn't make it more biblical. For us to unite together with people who want to leave, who want to fight, who want to argue is very difficult. But we're called to do that as Christians. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to love and we're called to gather together in accountability. And so if you're visiting this morning or if you're just here for a season or a time, my encouragement to you is wherever you go next, whether that's back home or whether you're going to move somewhere and start a new family, new home, wherever you might be, consider how important it is that the community of faith and belonging to that community of faith, that should be the essential part of your life. When you go to move somewhere, it should be with, I, I realize there's all kinds of other factors at play, but one of them should be where is a local church that I can connect with? Especially when we go out on our own. When we go out on our own, it's very easy to get sucked into the world, to get sucked into, well, my work schedule doesn't allow me to meet with other people, all these other things. 
we need Christian community in that moment to hold us accountable. Say, look, you're, you're not doing the things that you said you want to be part of. You're not living in the way that which you said you should be. And that's not a judgment. That's we desperately want you to come back into submission to the Lord because in the Lordship of Christ is the only place you'll find joy and contentment and meaning and value. So please consider membership to your own local church. If you are part of this area, if you're part of the Bow Valley and and you've joined us, consider this. And, And again, this isn't me saying we want more numbers. Consider, are you being called to join together with another believer? And if you don't think you are, I urge you to read the New Testament. Urge you to read through Scripture and see what are we being called to. Is membership something that we should put priority on? How do we remain accountable and how do we remain grafted into one another without some kind of a tangible way of saying we belong together? Shay, do we have the slide? I'm going to put a slide up here. Everyone's phone's going to come out while we're praying. That's okay. There's a QR code there. It's about a 17-minute long video um, from the Village Church in Texas, kind of a question and answer style about why membership. And I think this would be a really, really good 17 minutes of your day. And so feel free to do that. You can do it at home as well. This will go online and you can just scan that QR code with your phone and it'll take you straight to uh, this particular interview and, and, and we can really consider together why membership. Again, I hope and I trust that being part of a local church to you is, is so essential to your life because you know that you need to live under the lordship of Jesus, that he's the king, and so we'll submit to him. Let's pray. God, thank you for what Scripture teaches us, even when it's hard, even when we don't like some of the implications. But God, as we read through the New Testament, as we, especially in 1 Corinthians 12, see this imagery that you've given us of of a body that works together for one common good and one common purpose, is we desperately need one another and we need to commit to one another. So God, I pray that as we submit to your lordship that we would realize that you are the king and we want to serve you and we want to honor you with how we live, with how we act, and with how we think. So God, for those this morning who have maybe not thought a lot about membership or or who have disregarded membership in its biblical stance, I just pray that you would show them what's true in scripture that we would read with the desire to see what it means to unite together in purpose and mission. God, life is always messy. And church life, family life, is no different. But we want to unite together. We want to serve one another. God, it is my prayer that every person that calls Banff Park Church their home knows that we will walk with them through all of their lives ups and downs, joys and difficulties, successes and pains. Because that's what we're called to do. Our desire is to become more like Jesus, and and I need help with that. And we all need help. So God, as we consider these things, would you move us into a submission to your word that we might unite together as a family that even though it's messy and even though it's hard sometimes, that we will fight for each other and that we will push each other 
that we might become more like you. Go with us today. Thank you for all that you've done, for all that you continue to do in our lives. We love you. Amen.